The Confessions of St. Augustine Translated by Frank Sheed Book 1 Chapter 1 Great art thou, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is thy power, and of thy wisdom there is no number. And man desires to praise thee. He is but a tiny part of all that thou hast created. He bears about him his mortality, the evidence of his sinfulness, and the evidence that thou dost resist the proud. Yet this tiny part of all that thou hast created desires to praise thee. Thou dost so excite him that to praise thee is his joy. For thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. Grant me, O Lord, to know which is the soul's first movement toward thee, to implore thy aid, or to utter its praise of thee, and whether it must know thee before it can implore. For it would seem clear that no one can call upon thee without knowing thee, for if he did, he might invoke another than thee, knowing thee not. Yet may it be that a man must implore thee before he can know thee? But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, or how shall they believe without a preacher? And they shall praise the Lord that seek him, for those that seek shall find, and finding him they will praise him. Let me seek thee, Lord, by praying thy aid, and let me utter my prayer believing in thee, for thou hast been preached to us. My faith, Lord, cries to thee, the faith that thou hast given me, that thou hast inbreathed in me through the humanity of thy Son and by the ministry of thy preacher. Chapter 2 But how can I call unto my God, my God and Lord? For in calling unto him, I am calling him to me, and what room is there in me for my God, the God who made heaven and earth? Is there anything in me, O God, that can contain you? All heaven and earth cannot contain you, for you made them, and me in them. Yet since nothing that is could exist without you, you must in some way be in all that is, therefore also in me, since I am. And if you are already in me, since otherwise I should not be, why do I cry to you to enter into me? Even if I were in hell, you would be there, for if I go down into hell, thou art there also. Thus, O God, I should be nothing, utterly nothing, unless you were in me, or rather, unless I were in you, of whom and by whom and in whom are all things. So it is, Lord, so it is. Where do I call you to come to, since I am in you? Or where else are you, that you can come to me? Where shall I go, beyond the bounds of heaven and earth, that God may come to me, since he has said, Heaven and earth do I fill? Chapter 3 But if you fill heaven and earth, do they contain you? Or do you fill them and yet have much over, since they cannot contain you? Is there some other place into which that overplus of you pours that heaven and earth cannot hold? Surely you have no need of any place to contain you, since you contain all things, and fill them indeed precisely by containing them. The vessels thus filled with you do not render you any support, for though they perished utterly, you would not be spilt out. And in pouring yourself out upon us, you do not come down to us, but rather elevate us to you. You are not scattered over us, but we are gathered into one by you. You fill all things, but with your whole being. It is true that all things cannot wholly contain you, but does this mean that they contain part of you? And do they all contain the same part at the same time? Or do different parts of creation contain different parts of you, greater parts or smaller according to their own magnitude? But are there in you parts greater and smaller? Or are you not in every place at once in the totality of your being, while yet nothing contains you wholly? Chapter 4 What then is my God, what but the Lord God? For who is Lord but the Lord, or who is God but our God? O Thou, the greatest and the best, mightiest, almighty, most merciful and most just, utterly hidden and utterly present, most beautiful and most strong, abiding yet mysterious, 
suffering no change and changing all things, never new, never old, making all things new, bringing age upon the proud and they know it not, ever in action, ever at rest, gathering all things to thee and needing none, sustaining and fulfilling and protecting, creating and nourishing and making perfect, ever seeking though lacking nothing. Thou lovest without subjection to passion, thou art jealous but not with fear, thou canst know repentance but not sorrow, be angry yet unperturbed by anger. Thou canst change the works thou hast made, but thy mind stands changeless. Thou dost find and receive back what thou didst never lose. Art never in need, but dost rejoice in thy gains. Art not greedy, but dost exact interest manifold. Men pay thee more than is of obligation to win return from thee, yet who has anything that is not already thine? Thou owest nothing, yet dost pay as if in debt to thy creature. Forgivest what is owed to thee, yet dost not lose thereby. And, yet with all this, what have I said, my God, in my life and my sacred delight? What can anyone say when he speaks of thee? Yet woe to them that speak not of thee at all, since those who say most are but dumb. Chapter 5 Who shall grant me to rest in thee? By whose gift shalt thou enter into my heart and fill it so compellingly that I shall turn no more to my sins but embrace thee, my only good? What art thou to me? Have mercy that I may tell. What rather am I to thee, that thou shouldst demand my love, and if I do not love thee, be angry, and threaten such great woes? Surely not to love thee is already a great woe. For thy mercy's sake, O Lord my God, tell me what thou art to me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. So speak that I may hear, Lord, my heart is listening. Open it that it may hear thee say to my soul, I am thy salvation. Hearing that word, let me come in haste to lay hold upon thee. Hide not thy face from me. Let me see thy face even if I die, lest I die with longing to see it. The house of my soul is too small to receive thee, let it be enlarged by thee. It is all in ruins, do thou repair it. There are things in it that must offend thy gaze, I confess and know. But who shall cleanse it, or to what other besides thee shall I cry out, From my secret sins cleanse me, O Lord, and from those of others spare thy servant. I believe and therefore do I speak, Lord, thou knowest. Have I not confessed against myself my transgressions against thee? and thou, my God, hast forgiven the iniquities of my heart? I contend not in judgment with thee, who art the truth, and I have no will to deceive myself, lest my iniquity lie unto itself. Therefore I contend not in judgment with thee, for if thou, O Lord, wilt mark iniquities, Lord, who shall endure it? Chapter 6 Yet though I am but dust and ashes, suffer me to utter my plea to thy mercy. Suffer me to speak, since it is to God's mercy that I speak, and not to man's scorn. From thee too I might have scorn, but thou wilt return and have compassion on me. What have I to say to thee, God, save that I know not where I came from when I came into this life in death, or should I call it death in life? I do not know. I only know that the gifts your mercy had provided sustained me from the first moment. Not that I remember it, but so I have heard from the parents of my flesh, the father from whom and the mother in whom you fashioned me in time. Thus for my sustenance and my delight I had woman's milk, Yet it was not my mother or my nurses who stored their breasts for me. It was yourself, using them to give me the food of my infancy, according to your ordinance and the riches set by you at every level of creation. It was by your gift that I desired what you gave and no more, by your gift that those who suckled me willed to give me what you had given them. For it was by the love implanted in them by you that they gave so willingly that milk which by your gift flowed in the breasts. It was a good for them that I received good from them, though I received it not from them, but only through them, since all good things are from you, O God, and from God is all my health. But this I have learnt since. You have made it abundantly clear by all that I have seen you give, within me and about me. For at that time I knew how to suck, to lie quiet when I was content, to cry when I was in pain, and that was all I knew. 
Later I added smiling to the things I could do, first in sleep, then awake. This again I have on the word of others, for naturally I do not remember. In any event I believe it, for I have seen other infants do the same. And gradually I began to notice where I was, and the will grew in me to make my wants known to those who might satisfy them, but I could not, for my wants were within me, and those others were outside, nor had they any faculty enabling them to enter into my mind. So I would fling my arms and legs about and utter sounds, making the few gestures in my power, these being as apt to express my wishes as I could make them, but they were not very apt. And when I did not get what I wanted, either because my wishes were not clear or the things not good for me, I was in a rage, with my parents as though I had a right to their submission, with free human beings as though they had been bound to serve me, and I took my revenge in screams. That infants are like this I have learned from watching other infants, and that I was like it myself I have learnt more clearly from these other infants who did not know me than from my nurses who did. That infancy of mine died long since, yet I still live. But there is something I would inquire of you, Lord, because your life is forever, and in you nothing dies. For before the beginning of time, before anything that can even be called before, you are, and you are the God and Lord of all that you have created. And before your face stand the causes of all things transient, and the changeless principles of all things that change, and the eternal reasons of all the things of unreason and of time. Therefore, O God, tell me, I beg, in pity to a creature who needs pity, whether my infancy followed upon some earlier age of my life that had passed away before it. Was the time I spent in my mother's womb such another age? I have heard something of my mother's condition at that time, and I have seen women big with child. And before that again, O God of my joy, was I anywhere? Was I anyone? There is none to tell me, neither my parents, nor any man's experience, nor any memory of my own. Perhaps you laugh at me for seeking to know of such things, since it is your will that I adore you and praise you for what I do know. And I do truly, Lord of heaven and earth, adore you and praise you for my first being and the infancy of which I have now no memory. For you have left man to learn these things about himself from others, to accept such that touches him so closely on the word of his womenfolk. Clearly then I had being and I had life, and toward the end of my infancy I tried hard to find ways of making my feelings known to others. Whence could such a living being come but from you, Lord? Could any man be his own maker? Or is there any other channel through which being and life should flow into us, save that we are made by you, Lord, to whom being and being alive are not two separate things, since infinite being is identical with infinite life? For you are infinite, and in you is no change, nor does today pass away in you. Yet in another sense in you it does pass away, for in you are all such things. They could not even have any being that could pass away, unless you upheld them in being. And because your years do not pass, your years are today, and no matter how many our days and our father's days have been, they have all passed in your undying day, and from it have received such being and measures as they had. And all the days to come shall similarly pass in your undying day, and shall receive from it their being and measures. But you are still the same. All our tomorrows to the end of time you shall make to be in this your day, and all our yesterdays from the beginning of time you have made to be in this your day. What is it to me if anyone does not understand this? Let him rejoice as he asks, What is this? Let him rejoice, and let him prefer to find you, even if he does not find this, rather than to find it, and not you with it. Chapter 7 O God, hear me! Woe unto men for their sins! When man cries thus, you have mercy upon him, for you made man, but not the sin in him. Who shall remind me of the sins of my infancy? For in thy sight there is none pure from sin, not even the infant whose life is but a day upon the earth. But who is to inform me? Perhaps this or that tiny child in whom I can see what I no longer remember of myself, if he is to teach me, what then were my sins at that age? That I wailed too fiercely for the breast? 
For if today I were to make as gluttonously and as clamorously, not of course for my mother's breasts, but for the food I now eat, I should be ridiculed and quite properly condemned. This means that what I did then was in fact reprehensible, although since I could not understand words of blame, neither custom nor common sense allowed me to be blamed. As we grow older, we root out such ways and cast them from us, which means that we hold them to be bad, for no man engaged in removing evil would knowingly cast out what is good. Surely it was not good, even for that time of life, to scream for things that would have been thoroughly bad for me, to fly into hot rage because older persons, and free, not slaves, were not obedient to me, to strike out as hard as I could, with sheer will to hurt, at my parents and other sensible folk, for not yielding to demands which could only have been granted at my peril. Thus the innocence of children is in the helplessness of their bodies, rather than any quality in their minds. I have myself seen a small baby jealous. It was too young to speak, but it was livid with anger as it watched another infant at the breast. There is nothing unusual in this. Mothers and nurses will tell you that they have their own way of curing these fits of jealousy. But at any rate, it is an odd kind of innocence when a baby cannot bear that another, in great need since upon that one food his very life depends, should share the milk that flows in such abundance. These childish tempers are born with lightly, not because they are not faults, or only small faults, but because they will pass with the years. This is clearly so, for though we bear with them now, the same things would not be tolerated in an older person. You, O Lord my God, gave me in my infancy life and a body, and you supplied the body with senses, fitted it with limbs, gave it shape and proportion, and for its general well-being and security, implanted in it all the instincts of a living being. And you, Lord, doer of all these things, command me to praise you in them, to confess unto thee and sing to thy name, O Most High, because you are God, omnipotent and good, even if you had done these things alone. For none other can do them save you, the one who are the exemplar of all things, the all-beautiful, who form and set in order all things by your law. Thus, Lord, I do not remember living this age of my infancy. I must take the word of others about it, and can only conjecture how I spent it, even if with a fair amount of certainty, from watching others now in the same stage. I am loath indeed to count it as part of the life I live in this world, for it is buried in the darkness of the forgotten as completely as the period earlier still that I spent in my mother's womb. But if I was conceived in iniquity, and in sin my mother nourished me in the womb, then where, my God, where, O Lord, where or when was I, your servant, innocent? But I pass now from that time, for what concern have I now with a time of which I can recall no trace? Chapter 8 From infancy I came to boyhood, or rather it came to me, taking the place of infancy. Yet infancy did not go, for where was it to go to? Simply it was no longer there. For now I was not an infant, without speech, but a boy speaking. This I remember, and I have since discovered by observation how I learned to speak. I did not learn by elders teaching me words in any systematic way, as I was soon after taught to read and write. But of my own motion, using the mind which you, my God, gave me, I strove with cries and various sounds and much moving of my limbs to utter the feelings of my heart. All this in order to get my own way. Now I did not always manage to express the right meanings to the right people, so I began to reflect. I observed that my elders would make some particular sound, and as they made it, would point at or move towards some particular thing. And from this I came to realize that the thing was called by the sound they made when they wished to draw my attention to it. That they intended this was clear from the motions of their body, by a kind of natural language common to all races, which consists in facial expressions, glances of the eye, gestures, and the tones by which the voice expresses the mind's state. For example, whether things are to be sought, kept, thrown away, or avoided. So as I heard the same words again and again properly used in different phrases, I came gradually to grasp what things they signified, and forcing my mouth to the same sounds, I began to use them to express my own wishes. Thus I learned to convey what I meant to those about me, and so took another long step along the stormy way of human life and society, while I was still subject to the authority of my parents and at the beck and call of my elders. 
Chapter 9 O God, my God, what emptiness and mockeries did I now experience! For it was impressed upon me as right and proper in a boy to obey those who taught me, that I might get on in the world and excel in the handling of words to gain honor among men and deceitful riches. I, poor wretch, could not see the use of the things I was sent to school to learn. But if I proved idle in learning, I was soundly beaten. For this procedure seemed wise to our ancestors, and many, passing the same way in days past, had built a sorrowful road by which we too must go, with multiplication of grief and toil upon the sons of Adam. Yet, Lord, I observed men praying to you, and I learned to do likewise, thinking of you, to the best of my understanding, as some great being who, though unseen, could hear and help me. As a boy I fell into the way of calling upon you, my help and my refuge, and in those prayers I broke the strings of my tongue, praying to you, small as I was, but with no small energy, that I might not be beaten at school. And when you did not hear me, not as giving me over to folly, my elders and even my parents, who certainly wished me no harm, treated my stripes as a huge joke, which they were very far from being to me. Surely, Lord, there was no one so steeled in mind, or cleaving to you so close, or even so insensitive, for that might have the same effect, as to make light of the racks and hooks and other torture instruments, from which in all lands men pray so fervently to be saved, while truly loving those who are in such bitter fear of them. Yet my parents seemed to be amused at the torments inflicted upon me as a boy by my masters, though I was no less afraid of my punishments or zealous in my prayers to you for deliverance. But in spite of my terrors I still did wrong, by writing or reading or studying less than my set tasks. It was not, Lord, that I lacked mind or memory, for you had given me as much of these as my age required. But the one thing I reveled in was play, and for this I was punished by men who, after all, were doing exactly the same things themselves. But the idling of men is called business. The idling of boys, though exactly like, is punished by those same men, and no one pities either boys or men. Perhaps an unbiased observer would hold that I was rightly punished as a boy for playing with a ball, because this hindered my progress in studies, studies which would give me the opportunity as a man to play at things more degraded. And what difference was there between me and the master who flogged me? For if on some trifling point he had the worst of the argument with some fellow master, he was more torn with angry vanity than I was when I was beaten in a game of ball. Chapter 10 Yet in acting against the commands of my parents and schoolmasters, I did wrong, O Lord my God, creator and ruler of all things, but of sin not creator but ruler only. For I might later have made good use of those lessons that they wanted me to learn, whatever may have been their motive in wanting it. I disobeyed, not because I had chosen better, but through sheer love of play. I loved the vanity of victory, and I loved too to have my ears tickled with the fictions of the theater which set them to itching ever more burningly, and in my eyes a similar curiosity burned increasingly for the games and shows of my elders. Yet those who put on such shows are held in high esteem, and most people would be delighted to have their sons grow up to give similar shows in their turn, and meanwhile fully concur in the beatings those same sons get if these shows hinder study, for study is the way to the prosperity necessary for giving them. Look down in mercy, Lord, upon such things, and set us free who now beseech Thee, and not only us, but those also who have never besought Thee, that they may turn to Thee and be made free. Chapter 11 Even as a boy, of course, I had heard of an eternal life promised because the Lord our God had come down in His humility upon our pride. And I was signed with the sign of His cross and seasoned with His salt as I came new from the womb of my mother, who had great trust in You. When I was still a child, I fell gravely ill with some abdominal trouble and was close to death. You saw, Lord, for you were even then guarding me, with what earnest faith I besought the piety of my own mother, and of the church which is the mother of us all, that I might receive the baptism of your Christ, my Lord and my God. The mother of my flesh was in heavy anxiety, since with a heart chaste in your faith she was ever in deep travail for my eternal salvation, and would have proceeded without delay to have me consecrated and washed clean by the sacrament of salvation, while I confessed you, Lord Jesus, unto the remission of sins. But I made a sudden recovery. This caused my baptismal cleansing to be postponed, 
for it was argued that if I lived I should inevitably fall again into the filth of sin, and after baptism the guilt of sin's defilement would be in itself graver and put the soul in graver peril. I then believed, as did my mother and all our household except my father, yet he did not prevail over the hold my mother's piety had upon me to lead me not to believe in Christ because he did not as yet. She used all her endeavor, O God, that I should hold you for my father rather than him, and in this with your aid she overcame her husband, in her greater virtue serving him because in serving him she served your command likewise. I ask you, my God, for I would know, if it is your will to tell me, to what end was my baptism deferred? Was it for my good that I was left to sin with the loose rein, or was the rein not truly loosed? Why do we constantly hear such phrases as, Let him alone, let him keep on with what he is doing, he is not yet baptized? In the manner of the body's health we do not say, Let him be wounded worse, he is not yet cured. It would have been far better had I been made whole at once, and had so used my own efforts and the aid of my friends, that the health brought to my soul should be safe in your keeping, by whose gift it was given me. Far better, I say, but it was obvious that many mighty waves of temptation threatened to break upon me as I grew out of boyhood. So my mother knew, and she thought it better to let them break upon the clay before it was molded to Christ's image, rather than let the clay be molded and then assailed. Chapter 12 But to continue with my boyhood, which was in less peril of sin than my adolescence. I disliked learning and hated to be forced to it, but I was forced to it, so that good was done to me though it was not my doing. Short of being driven to it, I certainly would not have learned. But no one does well against his will, even if the thing he does is a good thing to do. Nor did those who forced me do well. It was by you, O God, that well was done. Those others had no deeper vision of the use to which I might put all they forced me to learn, but to sate the insatiable desire of man for wealth that is but penury and glory that is but shame. But you, Lord, by whom the very hairs of our head are numbered, used for my good the error of those who urged me to study. But my own error, in that I had no will to learn, you used for my punishment a punishment richly deserved by one so small a boy and so great a sinner. Thus you brought good for me out of those who did ill, and justly punished me for the ill I did myself. So you have ordained, and so it is, that every disorder of the soul is its own punishment. Chapter 13 To this day I do not quite see why I so hated the Greek tongue that I was made to learn as a small boy, for I really liked Latin, not the rudiments that we got from our first teachers, but the literature that we came to be taught later. For the rudiments, reading and writing and figuring, I found as hard and hateful as Greek. Yet this too could come only from sin and the vanity of life, because I was flesh and a wind that goes away and returns not. For those first lessons were the surer. I acquired the power I still have to read what I find written and to write what I want to express. Whereas in the studies that came later I was forced to memorize the wanderings of Aeneas, whoever he was, while forgetting my own wanderings, and to weep for the death of Dido who killed herself for love, while bearing dry-eyed my own pitiful state in that among these studies I was becoming dead to you, O God, my life. Nothing could be more pitiful than a pitiable creature who does not see to pity himself, and weeps for the death that Dido suffered through love of Aeneas, and not for the death he suffers himself, through not loving you, O God, light of my heart, bread of my soul, power wedded to my mind and the depths of my thought. I did not love you, and I went away from you in fornication, and all around me in my fornication echoed applauding cries, Well done, well done! For the friendship of this world is fornication against thee, and the world cries, Well done, so loudly, that one is ashamed of unmanliness not to do it. And for this I did not grieve, but I grieved for Dido, slain as she sought by the sword an end to her woe, while I too followed after the lowest of your creatures, forsaking you, earth going unto earth. And if I were kept from reading, I grieved at not reading the tales that caused me such grief. This sort of folly is held nobler and richer than the studies by which we learn to read and write. But now let my God cry aloud in my soul, and let your truth assure me that it is not so. The earlier study is the better. 
I would more willingly forget the wanderings of Aeneas and all such things than how to write and read. Over the entrance of these grammar schools hangs a curtain, but this should be seen not as lending honor to the mysteries, but as a cloak to the errors taught within. Let not those masters, who have now lost their terrors for me, cry out against me, because I confess to you, my God, the desire of my soul, and find soul's rest in blaming my evil ways, that I may love your holy ways. Let not the buyers or sellers of book-learning cry out against me. If I ask them whether it is true, as the poet says, that Aeneas ever went to Carthage, the more ignorant will have to answer that they do not know, the more scholarly that he certainly did not. But if I ask with what letters the name Aeneas is spelt, all whose schooling has gone so far will answer correctly, according to the convention men have agreed upon for the use of letters. Or again, were I to ask which loss would be more damaging to human life, the loss from man's memory of reading and writing, or the loss of these poetic imaginings, there can be no question what anyone would answer who had not lost his own memory. Therefore, as a boy, I did wrong in liking the empty studies more than the useful, or rather in loving the empty and hating the useful. For one and one make two, two and two make four, I found a loathsome refrain. But such empty unrealities as the wooden horse with its armed men, and Troy on fire, and Creusa's ghost, were sheer delight. Chapter 14 But why did I hate Greek literature, which is filled with similar tales? Homer is as skilled in the invention of such things, and has the same charm and the same unreality. Yet as a boy I could not abide him. I suppose that Virgil affects Greek boys when they are compelled to learn him as Homer affected me. For the drudgery of learning a foreign language sprinkled bitterness over all the sweetness of the Greek tales. I did not know a word of the language, and I was driven with threats and savage punishments to learn. There had been a time in infancy when I knew no Latin either, yet I learnt it without threat or punishment merely by keeping my eyes and ears open amidst the flatterings of nurses and the jesting and pleased laughter of elders leading me on. I learnt it without the painful pressure of compulsion, by the sole pressure of my own desire to express what was in my mind, which would have been impossible unless I had learnt words. And I learnt them not through people teaching me, but simply through people speaking, to whom I was striving to utter my own feelings. All this goes to prove that free curiosity is of more value in learning than harsh discipline. But by your ordinance, O God, discipline must control the free play of curiosity, for your ordinance ranges from the master's cane to the torment suffered by the martyrs, and works that mingling of bitter with sweet which brings us back to you from the poison of pleasure that first drew us away from you. Chapter 15 Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let not my soul fail under thy discipline, nor let me fail in uttering to thee thy mercies. By them thou hast drawn me out of all my most evil ways, that I should find more delight in thee than in all the temptations I once ran after, and should love thee more intensely, and lay hold upon thy hand with all my heart's strength, and be delivered from every temptation unto the end. O Lord, my King and my God, may whatever of value I learned as a boy be used for thy service, and what I now do in speaking and writing and reading and figuring. When I was learning vain things, thou didst discipline me, and the sin of the delight I had in those vain things thou hast forgiven me. Among those studies I learnt many a useful word, but these might have been learnt equally well in studies not vain, and that surely is the safe way for the young to tread. Chapter 16 But in this matter of classical studies, how woeful are you, O torrent of established custom! Who can resist you, or when will you run dry? How long will you continue to roll the sons of Eve into that vast and terrible sea in which even those who mount the cross scarcely escape drowning? In you I read of Jove, both as the god of thunder and as an adulterer, how could he be both? But so the story goes, and so sham thunder is made to legitimize and play pander to real adultery. Yet these robed and gowned masters are furious when Cicero, a man trained in their own school, protests, Homer invented these stories, ascribing things human to the gods. Would that he had brought down things divine to us. It would have been even truer to say that Homer invented them, attributing divinity to the vilest of men, with the result that crimes are held not to be crimes, and those who do commit them are regarded as acting not like abandoned men, but like gods from Olympus. 
And still, O torrent from hell, the sons of men pay fees to be hurled into you, in order that they may learn such things. And there is great interest when this sort of teaching is carried on publicly in the forum under the very eye of laws, allotting salaries to the masters over and above the fees paid by the pupils. And all the while the torrent lashes its rocks, and roars, By these studies words are learned, and the eloquence acquired which is so necessary for persuasion and exposition. Apparently the argument is that we should not have come to know words like golden, shower, lap, deceive, the temple of heaven, and others of the sort, unless Terence had brought a vicious youth upon the stage, setting up Jove as a model for his own fornication, and all the while gazing upon a picture on the wall of Jove deceiving Danai by descending into her lap as a golden shower. Note how the youth incites himself to lust as though commanded from heaven. And what a god, Jove, who shakes the temples of heaven with the roar of his thunder, and I, a mere mortal, should I not do what he does? I have done it, and with joy. The words are not learned one whit more easily because of all this vileness, but the vileness is committed all the more boldly because of the words. I make no accusation against the words, which in themselves are choice and precious vessels, but against the wine of error that is in them, and is poured out to us by teachers already drunken with it. And we, unless we drank, were flogged, and had no right of appeal to any sober judge. And I, my God, in whose sight I can now recall these things without peril, learnt them willingly, and sinfully delighted in them, and so was regarded as a youth of much promise. Chapter 17 Give me leave, O my God, to speak of my mind, your gift, and of the follies in which I wasted it. It chanced that a task was set me, a task which I did not like but had to do. There was the promise of glory if I won, the fear of ignominy and a flogging as well if I lost. It was to declaim the words uttered by Juno in her rage and grief when she could not keep the Trojan prince from coming to Italy. I had learned that Juno had never said these words, but we were compelled to err in the footsteps of the poet who had invented them, and it was our duty to paraphrase in prose what he had said in verse. In this exercise that boy won most applause in whom the passions of grief and rage were expressed most powerfully, and in the language most adequate to the majesty of the personage represented. What could all this mean to me, O my true life, my God? Why was there more applause for the performance I gave than for so many classmates of my own age? Was not the whole business so much smoke and wind? Surely some other matter could have been found to exercise mind and tongue. Thy praises, Lord, might have upheld the fresh young shoot of my heart, so that it might not have been whirled away by empty trifles, for there is more than one way of sacrificing to the fallen angels. Chapter 18 Yet it was no wonder that I fell away into vanity and went so far from thee, my God, seeing that men were held up as models for my imitation, who were covered with shame if, in relating some act of theirs in no way evil, they fell into some barbarism or grammatical solecism, yet were praised and delighted to be praised when they told of their lusts, provided they did so in correct words correctly arranged. All these things thou seest, O Lord, and art silent, for thou art patient and plenteous in mercy and truth. But wilt thou always stay silent? Even now thou dost draw out of this pit of horror the soul that seeks thee and thirsts for thy joys, the heart that says to thee, I have sought thy face, thy face, Lord, will I seek. For to be darkened in heart is to be far from thy face. It is not on our feet or by movement in space that we go from thee or return to thee. Thy prodigal son did not charter horses or chariots or ships or fly with wings or journey on his two feet to that far country where he wasted in luxurious living what thou as a loving father hadst given him on his departure loving when thou didst give, more loving still to thy son when he returned, all poor and stripped. To be lustful, that is darkened in heart, is to be far from thy face. Behold, O Lord my God, and seeing, see patiently, with what anxious care the sons of men observe the rules of letters and syllables taught by the speakers of our tongue before us, while they neglect the eternal rules of everlasting salvation taught by you. The learner or teacher of the established rules of pronunciation is held more contemptible if he drops an H and speaks of a ominem, thus breaking a law of language, than if he hates a human being, thus breaking the law of God. 
It is strange that we should not realize that no enemy could be more dangerous to us than the hatred with which we hate him, and that by our efforts against him we do less damage to our enemy than is wrought in our own heart. Obviously the knowledge of letters is not more deeply engraved in us than the law of conscience against doing to another what one would not bear if done to oneself. How hidden art thou, O God, the only great, dwelling in silence in the high places, and by thy untiring law sending blindness as the punishment for unlawful lusts. A man seeking the fame of eloquence, before a judge who is also a man, with a multitude of men standing about, inveighs against his adversary with inhuman hatred. Such a man will be most vigilantly on guard, lest by a slip of the tongue he drop an H, and murder the word ominem, yet worries not at all that by the fury of his mind he may murder a real human. Chapter 19 These were the ways of the world upon whose threshold I stood as a boy, and such was the arena for which I was training, more concerned to avoid committing a grammatical error than to be void of envy in case I did commit one and another did not. This I say and confess to thee, O my God and in this I was praised by those whom my one idea of success was to please. I did not see the whirl of vileness into which I had been cast away from thy eyes, for what was more unclean than I, seeing that I did not win the approval even of my own kind, I told endless lies to my tutors, my masters, and my parents, all for the love of games, the craving for stage shows, and a restlessness to do what I saw done in these shows. I stole from my parents' cellar and table, sometimes because I was gluttonous myself, sometimes to have something to give other boys in exchange for implements of play which they were prepared to sell, although they loved them as much as I. Even in games when I was clearly outplayed, I tried to win by cheating, from the vain desire for first place. At the same time I was indignant and argued furiously when I caught anyone doing the very things that I had done to others. When I was caught myself, I would fly into a rage rather than give way. Is this boyhood innocence? It is not, Lord. I cry thy mercy, O my God. Yet as we leave behind tutors and masters and nuts and balls and birds and come to deal with prefects and kings and the getting of gold and estates and slaves, these are the qualities which pass on with us, one stage of life taking the place of another as the great punishments of the law take the place of the schoolmaster's cane. Therefore, O God our King, when you said, Of such is the kingdom of heaven, it could only have been humility as symbolized by the low stature of childhood that you were commending. Chapter 20 Yet, Lord, I should have owed thanks to you, my God, and the most excellent Creator and Ruler of the universe, even if it had been your will that I should not live beyond boyhood. For even then I was, I lived, I felt, even so early I had an instinct for the care of my own being, a trace in me of that most profound unity whence my being was derived. In my interior sense I kept guard over the integrity of my outward sense perception, and in my small thoughts upon small matters I had come to delight in the truth. I hated to be wrong, had a vigorous memory, was well trained in speech, delighted in friendship, shunned pain, meanness, and ignorance. In so small a creature was not all this admirable and reason for praise? Yet all these were the gifts of my God, for I did not give them to myself. All these were good, and all these were I. Therefore he who made me is good, and he is my good, and in him I shall exalt for all the good qualities that even as a boy I had. But in this lay my sin, that I sought pleasure, nobility, and truth, not in God, but in the beings he had created, myself and others. Thus I fell into sorrow and confusion and error. Thanks be to thee, my joy and my glory and my hope and my God. Thanks be to thee for thy gifts. But do thou preserve them in me. Thus thou wilt preserve me, and the things thou hast given me will increase and be made perfect, and I shall be with thee, because even that I exist is thy gift.